The Student Ministry Podcast you're about to hear is a sermon preached by Pastor Jim Shetler at the 2008 West Coast Baptist Teen Camp. Brother Shetler is the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California, and we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. I want to share this with you. I've been in a senior pastor ministry now for over 20 years, but before that, I was a youth pastor for seven years. And I remember one year, I took our teenagers to a camp, and I found out something absolutely, I don't think there's anything you could have told this youth pastor to hurt him more than what I heard. By the night of the very first service, I had heard there was a group of young men in our youth group that had made a pact not to make any decisions the whole week of camp. Well, I got, it was about five, six guys, and I got them together, and I said, what in the world are you guys thinking? I mean, that is like from the pit of hell, that you guys made a pact that if the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart this week, you're not going to move, you're not going to respond. And they all had, you know, they had their heads down in shame and everything like that. But, you know, one of them picked his head up. He looked at me and he said, Pastor Shetler, said, we came last year to camp. We made decisions about music and living for the Lord. And two weeks later, we didn't, we didn't go by him anymore. The year before, we did the same thing. And the year before that, we did the same thing. And we go to summer camp and we make decisions. And two weeks after we're home, we're not keeping them anymore. So we decided, you know what? That's crazy. We're not going to make any decisions. Now, young people, let me share this with you. The two keys to spiritual growth in every believer's life are spiritual decisions and spiritual discipline. That's the key to spiritual growth. You've got to be making spiritual decisions, and then you have to back that with spiritual discipline. The discipline's going to have to start after you get back home. We're going to share things with you. We're going to instruct you in righteousness this week that you're going to go back knowing how to possess your vessel. You're going to know sanctification by the end of this week. And you're going to know how you can possess your vessel. But you're going to have to put the spiritual discipline in yourself. But young person, this week, these next five days, it's all about making decisions. You ought to make a decision in every service. Whether it is for salvation Some of you may not know Christ as your Savior. Maybe it's about a sin in your life, or maybe it's about service to the Lord. But young people, I want to tell you, these next five days is all about decisions. It is not wrong to come every year to a camp and make decisions. It's wrong if you don't keep it with the discipline, but it's not wrong to make those decisions. And young person, I pray that this week that you'll make several decisions, that you'll go back on your bus and you can say, boy, you know, I made a decision in this area, in this area, in this area of my life. Now, Lord, give me the grace. I've been instructed on how to do it. Give me the grace to be disciplined to keep it. But young people, decisions keep your spiritual life tender. It keeps your spiritual growth going. So it's very important. We're looking tonight at 1 Samuel chapter 15 and going to read a little bit of the story, different verses from 1 Samuel 15, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and then I want to share some things with you tonight 
in the area. And I thought it was interesting what Brother, Brother Schmidt said. He said, as far as I know, I don't think there's a rebel here. Well, I'm preaching on rebellion tonight. And, uh, and I want to share some things with you tonight that I think will be a help. But let me tell you what rebellion is. Rebellion is believing a lie. And you know, the product, you know, we always think of rebellion. Oh, the prodigal son. Let me tell you something. The prodigal son's brother was just as rebellious as the prodigal son. It was an inward rebellion. And young person, if you believe a lie in any area of your life, you will be rebellious. That rebellion may not show forth itself in an an outward way yet. But young person, if you believe a lie about who God is or what he's trying to do in your life or or, or the things, and we're going to just deal with one tonight. We're going to deal with two tomorrow. But I want to talk to you about some lies that young people have slipped into believing. Tonight we look at 1 Samuel chapter 15 and we begin at verse number one. The Bible says, Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people. You know, I think that's interesting. Saul's the king, but yet he's still going to be under authority. You know, there's never going to be a time in your life that you're not going to be under authority. And I also like this verse. You know, we hear today in America a lot about church-state separation. That the church is supposed to stay out of the state. Well, you know, back then, we got the man of God representing the church, telling the state, the king, on who he is. Let me tell you something. Church-state separation only exists for one reason. To keep the state out of the church. Not to keep the church out of the state, young person. Samuel, the prophet, the man of God, also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Okay, here it is. I'm going to tell you what God wants you to do, Saul. Verse number two. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. Now I'm thankful that when we confess our sins, when Christ forgives our sins, he forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. And he takes them away forever. But... If you're not saved, he hasn't forgotten one sin that you've ever committed. And let me tell you a little bit about Amalek and what they did. Amalek, when Israel was going through the wilderness, the Amalekites would come down and they'd swoop down and they would kill the sick. The people that couldn't keep up with the rest of the crowd, the elderly, the children. They would pick them off on the outside of the camps. And they would come down and kill the children and the, and the elderly and the sickly. And the Malachites did this for months against the Israelites. God never forgot it. Now, sometimes when we read the Old Testament, people say, you know, that God of the Old Testament... Boy, he's really mean. The God of the New Testament, he's so loving. But the God of the Old Testament, I mean, he just goes in there and just wipes these, these nations out and everything. And like, what kind of God is this? Let me tell you about this God. Now, the Malachites are about to get wiped out. But let me tell you about this God. He waited 400 years for the Malachites to repent, and they never did. Young person, I'd call that long-suffering, wouldn't you? 
I mean, that was pretty long-suffering of God. He waited 400 years for the Malachites to repent of what they did. They never did, and God says, okay, that's it. Young person, God will wait for you, but you better seek ye the Lord while he may be found. God's speaking to your heart. You need to respond right then. So he said unto him, he said, "Go." To, I remember the Amalekites, Amalek, what, what they did to Israel, how he laid wait for them in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now listen to the commandment. Now, go and smite Amalek and everybody together. Would you say with me the next two words? And what? Utterly destroy. Oh, by the way, the next word too. Utterly destroy all. All right. I don't want to treat you like kindergartners, but would you repeat that with me one more time? The commandment was to do what? All right, just, just to make sure we're all on the same page, I'm really not trying to treat you like little children. Would you one more time give me the commandment? What was it? All. Is there anybody in this room that does not understand the commandment? Is there anybody here that does not understand utterly destroy all? Is there anyone here that doesn't understand that commandment? Oh, I think Saul understood it real well, too. Let's go on to read. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but stay both man and woman, infant suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Destroy it all. Verse number nine. But Saul and the people spared Agag. That was the king of the Malachites. And the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and of the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. Young people together, did Saul obey the commandment? No. No. Is there anyone that doubts that? Anyone? I, I think he did obey the commandment. Anyone? Okay, let's see what Saul thinks. Down to verse 13, and Samuel came to Saul. So Samuel comes out there where Saul is. And Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou, Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Young people, that's one big fat what? That was one big fat lie. But I want you to see this. Young people, this is what rebellion is. Rebellion is believing a lie. See, if you're rebellious, you believe something that's a lie, but you don't think it's a lie. You believe it's the truth. God made me wrong. God gave me the wrong parents. God's not doing this right in my life. Authority is not for me. It's against me. It is something you actually believe as the truth. You're not saying, I know this is a lie and I believe it. No. You believe it's the truth, but it's a lie. What did he say? He says, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Well, we'll, we'll pastor... Brother Jim, I'm sure he knew he was lying. Well, let's find out. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears? Look down to verse 19. Wherefore then dost thou not obey the voice of the Lord? But didst thou fly upon the spoil and dis evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Malachites. Young people, this is amazing. The commandment was so clear, but what did Saul think? Saul believed in his heart that he had done what is right. Oh, young person, I want to tell you something. Some of you in here may look really good. 
Some of you in here may think, you know what, I, I, I cover this pretty good. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, young person, you may be believing a lie in your heart tonight. And tonight, I want the spirit of truth to open it up. Look and, and see what rebellion is. Off of this story, look at verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great as delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Father, tonight I pray that every young person that is believing a lie, especially in the area of authority. I pray tonight, Father, they would come face to face with the truth. And Lord, I pray tonight that the way that we look at authority tonight, we will never see authority the same way after this evening. And Lord, I pray where the young person is believing a lie, may they be humble enough to see the lie and repent and come back to the truth. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was youth pastor for seven years. And during those seven years, we'd have youth meeting every Wednesday night. We would usually close youth meeting with some kind of stunt or skit or something like that. And this one Wednesday night, I had the stunt. I mean, I had it. At the very end of the youth meeting, I said, okay, young people, tonight, we're going to have a banana eating contest. And they went, oh, and I said, I need four volunteers for a banana eating contest. Well, everybody in this room right now knows who volunteered. Four seventh grade boys, you know. Seventh grade boys just want to be in front of the senior high girls, you know. So, you know, I got junior, but I didn't want to do junior high boys. So, you know, I'm going, come on, I need some senior high guys, because I knew they wouldn't, they wouldn't raise their hand. I said, hey, I need four men to come up here for a banana eating contest. Who's going to do it? None of the guys are going, no, man, we know you're, no, no way, Pastor Sheldon. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. There was a steak place back then called Quincy's Steak. And I said, we're going to give dinner for two to the person who wins at Quincy's, dinner for two to the person who wins the banana eating contest. Well, now we got some takers. Okay, so I got Jonathan stands up in the back. Jonathan, you think you can eat the most bananas in two minutes in this youth group? He says, I know I can. That Quincy's is mine. I said, Jonathan, come on down. So Jonathan comes down. He's sitting two seats over from his brother, Nate. Nate raises his hand. He says, I know I can eat more bananas than my brother, Jonathan. I said, Nate, you know it? Come on down. So Nate comes on down, and I got, and I got Eric. Eric raises his hand, and I said, Eric, can you eat more than the Ogle boys? He says, I know I can eat more than them. I said, Eric, come on down. But I couldn't get another senior high guy. But there's one senior high girl just waving her hand. Now, she's sitting right next to her boyfriend. And the boyfriend's thinking, you know, I've taken her out a lot. It's about time for her to take me out, you know. And so he's thinking, this is a good idea. And I said, Kim... Do you honestly think you can eat more bananas than Jonathan, Nathan, and Eric? She says, I know I can. And I said, Kim, come on down. I didn't really want to do Kim, but I said, this is getting too good. So we all come down there, and they all get their bananas. or they, They're all standing up there. And I said, this is it. Here's the banana eating contest. May we have the bananas, please? And here came in these college students carrying these chargers, you know, these big platters. And on each planter, they got bananas, and they stand before the different contestants. And I said, here's the test. 
We're going to go two minutes, and in two minutes, the person who eats the most bananas gets dinner for two at Quincy's, okay? Here we go. On your mark. Get set. Hey, you know what? We need to have some cheerleading groups on this. I said, you, you, you kids over here, you guys right here, down the line, right down here. Brett, Brett, move over a little bit. Yeah, right, right down, right down. You guys are going to cheer for Jonathan, okay? You guys right here. Nate, 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 over here. Eric, Eric, and over here, Tim, Tim. I said, okay, this is going to be good. You cheer for your contestants, it'll get them really pumped up. On your mark, get set. Hey, you know what? Would y'all bring the blindfolds in for a minute? This will add a little bit to it. So we had these blindfolds come in. And they put blindfolds around each one of the contestants. After the blindfold was on Kim, and it was securely on Kim, I went back down to Jonathan and took his blindfold off. Jonathan goes, sits down. I said, this is going to be the greatest banana eating contest this youth group has ever seen. About that time, I reached over Nathan's blindfold and took it off. I said, boy, this is going to be a contest for the ages. And I took Eric's blindfold off, and I said, Eric, go sit down. Kim's standing up there all by herself. The kids, no pun intended, are eating this up. I mean, they're getting it. You know what? I'll never forget the boyfriend's like, oh, this is good. I got Quincy's, you know. I mean, so he's all excited. She's up there all by herself. I had no idea what the next two minutes would hold. But I said, on your mark, get set. Go. Well, Kim starts taking the bath, and she starts taking The first minute, I don't even mention Kim's name. Nathan's take the lead. Nathan's take, Jonathan's ahead. Eric's come on. Eric's got his third banana. Kim's over there all by herself. She's putting his, she's putting his I said, Nathan, Nathan's ahead. And you know what? The kids are screaming. You know, Nathan's out there. Nate, Nate, Nate. You know, Jonathan's over there. Jonathan, Jonathan, you know. The kids are just going. And I'm sitting there as youth pastor. And Brother Schmidt, I'm going like, oh, are you good or what? I said, this, the kids are roaring. I mean, I go through the first minute, and I don't even mention Kim's name. She's over there. She's eating those bananas. She's sticking those bananas in. I said, Eric, Eric has just taken the lead. Oh. No, no, it's Nathan, Nathan. In the second minute. I mentioned Kim's name. Kim has just moved into third place. <laughs> she's taking it. I mean, she's going, no, no. It's Jonathan and Kim. Kim's in second place. And I mean, she's tearing into it. We get down to 10 seconds. At 10 seconds, this girl has banana over her hair, her face, her dress. And she is the only one standing there. I've got guys on their knees in the aisle just dying. It is the funniest thing they have ever seen. They're like, we get down to 10 seconds. I said, everybody, 10, 9, 8. I mean, everyone's going in. I go, 3. It's still a tie. Kim's one banana behind. She took a banana off of that plate and did not peel it. And she took that banana and pushed it in her mouth. I said, "Come on, Kim, you won." What happened next? I will never forget as long as I live. Up to this point, Brother Schmidt, I thought I was the greatest youth pastor in America. The thing that happened next, Kim 
took off her blindfold. And she looked like a raccoon. I mean, there was banana everywhere. The next thing that happened is Rochelle Rochelle is Miss Mercy. She walks up, grabs a trash can, puts her arm around Kim, and they walk out together. And everyone's laughing, and I'm thinking, I might have gone a little too far. (laughs) I thought, oh man, what have I just done? The next day at our Christian school, I told Kim to come see me in my office because I need to get something right with her. So Kim came in, and she sat down, and I said, Kim, i got to tell you, when I did that, I thought about four guys doing it, and when you came up, you know what, Kim? There's no excuse. What I did to you last night was wrong to do to a young lady, and I ask you to forgive me. Kim's got these big crocodile tears going down her cheek with her makeup coming down. And she looks at me and she said, you know, Pastor, she said, you know what the hardest thing was? And I said, Kim, I really do love you. And she said, I know you do. And that's what hurt the most is because I didn't think that a youth pastor that loved me would ever do that to me. And I went, oh. Then I got big crocodile tears coming down my cheeks. We prayed, Kim left, Kim and I have been great friends ever since, but I'll never forget this. When Kim walked out the door, I did think about that, and I thought, oh, Shetler, that was so foolish. But I thought about this. Young people, how many teenagers have I come across in the last 27 years of ministry? How many teenagers have I come across that have had a blindfold on their eyes over their teen years? And they have absolutely, absolutely looked foolish and stupid. And Satan has just had the time of his life with a young person. To, Man, look at me eat up this poor night. Look at me, dude. Look at my friend. Look at what we're doing. Nobody knows. And Satan is having the time of his life with you being totally blinded to the lies of the devil. Young person, I want to share this with you tonight. I want to talk to you. There's many different lies I could mention tonight. I just want to talk about one. That young person, if you do not get a handle on, it will destroy your life. Now, before we get to the area, and I think it works perfectly in 1 Samuel 15, because this whole thing is about authority. And Saul did not not do what he was commanded to do, but he believed that he did. But you know what? Some of you could be sitting there right now and saying, you know, Pastor Shatler, If rebellion is believing a lie, and you believe that the lie is the truth, then Pastor Shetler, how would you know if you're rebellious or not? You know what? That's a good question. That really is. You could be sitting out here right now and living in rebellion and not even know it because you believe it's the truth. Let me give you five signs of rebellion in a person's life. Number one, lousy friends. Lousy friends. You know, I was with a teenager one time. And I was really struggling with him. He was just so belligerent and defiant and defensive against authority. And I brought him in one day and I asked him. I said, hey, let me ask you something. Your friend Louie, do you think Louie's rebellious? Yeah. Pat Scheller, I do. I think, I think Louie's going through some tough times right now. I think he's kind of rebellious. I, I, I said, what about, what about Robert? Do you think Robert is rebellious? Yeah. Big time, Pastor Scheller. You better watch Robert. Let me ask you about Stephanie. Do you think Stephanie's rebellious? Yeah, I do. 
Man, Pastor Shelby, she's got some, you know, some things. Hey, let me ask you. Do you think you're rebellious? And that young man looked right at me and said, no, I don't think I'm rebellious at all. Who are your best friends? Stephanie, Robert, and Louie. Hey, young person, let me tell you something. If your friends stink, so do you. Let me tell you this. If you've got lousy friends, it's affecting you one way or another. You know what? Nobody in here may see it. Man, nobody may know it. But I'm going to tell you this right now. If you've got lousy friends, you're believing a lie somewhere in your heart. And by the way, those lousy friends may be on your internet that you've never even met before. But the fact of the matter is, young person, if you've got lousy friends, you're believing a lie. Let me give you another point. Not only a sign of rebellion is lousy friends, number two, limited spiritual interest. You see, if you're believing a lie, then you don't believe God's good. What is the lie that, God, that Satan tried to get Adam and Eve to believe? That God isn't good. He's holding something back from you. Oh, you go ahead and eat that fruit. It's something God's not letting you do. God's not as good as you thought he was. You know what? There will be a limited spiritual interest. You will not have a desire to know God if you believe God didn't made a mistake in your life. If you believe God made you wrong, did you wrong, put you in the wrong place, gave you the wrong parents, didn't do what he was supposed to with your life, you're not going to have spiritual interest. If something's happened in your family, if something's happened in your life of a tragic nature, many times Satan can put a lie. He's not a good God. He's not a good God. And if you can believe that lie, you'll have limited spiritual interest. Number three, loaded questions. Loaded questions. This is a good one. I think when you become a teenager, you should start questioning things. You're writing down tough questions right now for Pastor Schmidt. I love that. I think that's great. You know what? Some of you might have been a little sarcastic with it. Some of you might have been, oh, this is going to be good. I want to see him answer this. You know, that's a sign. There is nothing wrong with a 10th grade young person wanting to know answers. There's everything wrong with a 10th grade young person questioning every time authority says something. Authority says, we're going to do this. Why? Why are we going to do that? You know why? Because they, they believe authority is against them. So everything authority is telling them to do, they look at it as the enemy. I remember when I was youth pastor when I got on a bus. You know, I'd get to the youth activity, obviously, early, bring the bus around, drive the bus, and the first kids would come out. They'd get on the bus. Where would they go? The back. And they'd get in the back, and they'd go like, there's nobody else on the bus. Hey, how you guys doing back here? Good. Hey, did you have a good day today? Yeah. Hey, this is going to be a great activity, isn't it? Uh, see, they don't want to talk because they believe the authorities against them and they've got loaded questions. Number four, low feelings. Low feelings. Now, this is interesting. If, a chi- if, if somebody's a child of God, they have the Holy Spirit in them. And I have noticed this over the years with young people, that if they're believing a lie and they're living in rebellion, they've always got low feelings, they're depressed, And they're always tired because there's an incredible battle going on inside. The Spirit of God saying, don't believe it, don't believe it. The flesh and Satan saying, this is true, this is true, this is true. And and, and you've got this incredible battle going on. And so you're always down. You're always discouraged. Hey, you know what? You're always worn out. How can young people who take food into them and it's supposed to immediately turn to energy are always tired and wiped out? You know why? Because they've got a spiritual battle going on inside. And then number five, and I think this is 
the number one sign of rebellion in any person's life. Lack of gratefulness. A lack of gratefulness. You tell any teenager and they can't thank God for anything, it's because they believe a lie. Hey, I deserve this. This is what I deserve. J. Edgar Hoover, who used to be in charge of the FBI, said the number one cause of juvenile delinquency in the United States of America was that young people believed society owed them something. And because of that, they took it out uh, on vandalism or graffiti or whatever because society owes me something. Young person, a lack of gratefulness is an absolute sign of rebellion in a person's heart. I remember teenagers at the end of a youth activity... And I mean, you could have given them 15 candy bars, all the nacho cheese, everything in the world you could have given them. You did this, you did that. You charged them 75 cents and they'd walk away. Man, he's stealing our money. You know, man, well, that was a lousy active Man, that was no fun. You know, I don't think I'm going to come. They never appreciative about anything. And then you'd have other young people at a youth activity. Everything went wrong. I mean, nothing went right. No one did anything they were supposed to be planned. It was a terrible activity. And you got teenagers leaving. Man, thanks, Pastor Shetler. I never had more fun in my entire life. Thanks for putting all this time into it. You know what the difference is? The difference is a young person believes a lie in their heart and they cannot be grateful at all. You know, you get to many teen groups and you say, hey, young people, let's take some praises. Let's stand and praise the Lord for what he's done. Who'll be first? All right, Susie, you go ahead. Amen. Well, that's, amen. Well, that's great. I hope all the kittens make it. That's great. Anybody else got a praise tonight? Oh, you know, if there's a lack of gratefulness in a heart that's rebellious, young person. And I'll tell you, if you're believing a lie, you're going to have lousy friends, limited spiritual interests, loaded questions, low feeling, and a lack of gratefulness. But now I want you to see this and we'll be done tonight for our message. I believe that maybe the greatest lie young people believe is the lie that authority is against them. I want to tell you, young person, I didn't understand the truth of authority until I was probably a sophomore in college. But when I understood the truth that authority is not my enemy, authority is my protection, my whole life began to change. And young person, when you're willing to start submitting under authority, and you're willing to do whatever your counselor tells you to do, and you're willing to do whatever Brother Schmidt tells you to do, and you're willing to do whatever your mom and dad tell you to do, and when you're willing to submit yourselves under the authority of God's word, young person, things begin to happen in a young person's heart. But I think Satan's great battlefield is to get a young person to believe authority's against me. Authority hates me. Authority doesn't know good for me. I think I know my own way. And young person, to be willing to submit under that authority. Authority is for your protection. Let me give you a little history of Israel for just a real quick moment. Israel was in bondage for how many years? In captivity. They were in captivity for how many years? No, that's, I'm, I'm sorry, that was in the wilderness. They were in captivity for how many? 70 years. They were in captivity for 70 years. At the end of the 70 years of captivity, many of the Jews were allowed to come back. The first group came with a guy named, I love this guy, Zerubbabel. Can you all say that together? Zerubbabel. Man, that's a, say it again. Zerubbabel. Say it real fast. Zerubbabel. Say it real slow. <laughs> Speaking in tongues, man. All right. So Zerubbabel brings back the first group. You know what they do? They rebuild the temple. Amen. House of God. 
They rebuild the temple. Did they have revival? No. But they rebuilt the temple. Yeah, no revival though. Then another guy comes. His name's Ezra. Ezra brings a group back. You know what Ezra is? He's the preacher. Now we got the preacher, man. We got the temple, but we didn't have a preacher. Now Ezra comes. Ezra brings back a group. Ezra starts preaching the word. Now they have revival, right? No. Wait a second. You mean you got the house of God rebuilt, and now you've got the preacher, and they still don't have revival? No. There's a third guy who comes. What's his name? Anyone know? Nehemiah. Nehemiah brings another group. Nehemiah comes back. What does Nehemiah do? He rebuilds the walls. Now there's protection around the city of Jerusalem. Now there's walls of protection around Jerusalem. And young people, you know what happened? Revival came. And I will tell you this. When you begin to understand that authority's purpose is to build walls of protection around you, when you begin to understand that there is more freedom behind the walls of protection than there is out in the world, young person, you're on your way to revival. You're on your way to understanding authority is not my enemy, authority is for me, and authority protection. I don't understand all the walls. I, I don't understand why this wall has to be here. I can't understand why we can't move this wall out in the world 100 yards. But... God, even though I don't understand it, thank you, Lord, for the walls that my parents have put around my life. Thank you, Lord, for the walls of protection. And you know what? I just want to tell you this. There is a good spirit in this group. There really is. You know what I tell you right now? I know it may not be true across the board, but I just guarantee you right now, the majority of your parents love the Lord and are serving the Lord and are putting walls around you. And the reason why there's a good spirit amongst you is because you've had a youth pastors and you have churches that have built some walls of protection around you. And you ought to thank God for that young person. You really do. When I was growing up, when I was a little kid, when I was growing up, I was through, going through our neighborhood. And there was this one home, the, the Lamartinis, two old people. And they were a bunch of grouchies. I mean, they were just, you know, I don't like the land. We never went trick-or-treating. We didn't, we didn't want to be near the Lamartini's house. And Lamartini's had this little chihuahua dog. You know, little chihuahua, those little dogs. I don't like those little dogs. I mean, if it's going to be a dog, it needs to be 25 pounds or more, you know. We have a golden retriever. That's a dog, okay? So anyways, so when you walk past the Lamartini's house, you know, a lot of times you'd be talking to your friend and everything, you'd be passing the Lamartini's house, and out of nowhere, this little chihuahua dog, comes right up to the fence and starts it. And you're just like, he's a little dog. You know, you get past the house too. Well, one day in the neighborhood, a German shepherd was loose. Now, amen, brother, that's right. German Shepherd's a dog. So the German Shepherd was loose, and he's just kind of strolling around the neighborhood. And the little German Shepherd, uh, the big German Shepherd, goes past the Lamartini house. And when that dog, that German Shepherd, started to go into the Lamartini's yard, that little chihuahua came running out to the fence and began barking. The shepherd didn't do a thing. You know, it's going to be a little hot dog is what this is going to be, you know. 
I mean, that German shepherd didn't do a thing. And that little dog is on the other side of the fence and just a yelping. And that German shepherd is just sniffing the, you know, his lunch out. Now, I so badly wanted to go over to the gate, open the gate. Come on, pooch, come on. Come on, pooch, come on out. Man, that dog just... Young person, y'all help me. What is the only thing that was saving that little chihuahua? The fence. You ought to thank God for the fences your mom and dad put around your life. You ought to thank God for some fences. But I got to tell you what, I've been working for, with young people for, for over 27 years. And I have sure heard a lot of, I, 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 why do we have to wear this? I, 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 why can't we stay out? I, 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 why can't we listen to, I, 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 I. and you know what? There have been times where I've just wanted to open the gate, kick you out in the world and say, let the hound of hell chew on you for a while, young person. And then you'll understand. You ought to thank God tonight if you have a mom and dad and you have a church and you have a youth pastor that's put some fences of protection around your life. Young person, I want to tell you this. When you come to understand that the authority over my life is not against me, the authority over my life is for my good. God, thank you for my teachers. Thank you for my coaches. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for what you've done in my life and given me this authority. Thank you for my counselor this week. Oh, God, as I submit to that authority, Lord, you're going to bless me. And young person, he will. And that's not a lie. That's the truth. But when you're rebellious, you want to fight against that. You know, we took a ministry. That I do, I love. I love the kids in our school. But you know what? They just believe so many lies. They got banana all over their face. They don't realize what they're doing with the greatest years of their life. Young people, I don't know you. But I will tell you right now, if you have not submitted your will to the authority over you, would you tonight? You will be amazed at what will happen in your life this week when you stop believing the lies And start believing that God is right in giving you the authority that he's given to you. In person, if you have your Bibles, let me just, I was just going to read this verse. Hebrews 13, 17. Do you know this one? Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. And I love this last phrase. For that is unprofitable for everyone together. What's the last word? You. Young person, when you begin... Oh, by the way, I never noticed this before. A couple years ago, I saw this. Look at the word obey in verse 17. Do you know it is the same Greek word? In verse 18, it's found, pray for us, for we trust. The word trust is the same Greek word as obey. So let's look at verse 17 again. Trust them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Young person, I'll tell you what true submission and obedience is, is trusting God to work in the authority over you. And I want to tell you one thing as we close. I really should have put this earlier in the message. This isn't the best way to end this message, but I want to tell you this. Unfortunately, Satan gets a hold of some authority figures. And there could be some authority figures in your life that have done you wrong, that have abused you sexually or physically, that have lied to you. 
You might have an authority figure in your life that has done you wrong. I want to say a couple things. Number one, if an authority figure in your life has done something illegal, you need to go to somebody, another authority figure. Because I'll tell you why. Your whole faith and trust and authority has got to be reestablished. And if there's an authority figure, if there's a relative, if there's an uncle, if there's, a, if there's whatever, if it's a father, whatever it is, if there has been an authority figure in your life that has done you wrong, if it's illegal, you need to get to somebody. If it's not illegal, but it's just been wrong, you need to move on from that and you need to retrust. See, Satan's going to keep using it. Can't trust authority. Can't trust coaches. The way that this coach did to us and the, what this coach did, what this teacher did, you can't trust teachers. That would be just what Satan would love. You're rebellious. It isn't me who did it. It's the teacher who's rebellious. Yeah, it is. You're right. But young person, you've got to say, Lord, that teacher was wrong. That coach was wrong. That parent was wrong. But Lord, I'm going to submit again under authority. And by the way, authority figures that are in here tonight, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, by truth and mercy, iniquity shall be purged. The word iniquity comes from the idea of rebellion. How do you get rebellion out of a young person? You give them truth and you give them mercy. You keep giving them the truth of God's word, but you keep loving on them so they can't believe the lie. So every authority figure in here, if you've got a rebellious teenager, give them truth and give them mercy and it'll be purged from their life. But young person, if you've been here tonight and you have struggled with the lie of authority, why don't tonight you be willing to get it taken care of? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I don't want a teenager to go through their teen years. It's not going to be banana that's going to end up being on your face, young person. Young person, it's going to be shame. Because you believed a lie. Young person, this is it. You won't be 16 again. You're not going to be 14 again. You will never come across 15 again, young person. God has placed in your life authority figures. How many of you would say, you know, Pastor Shetler, I could see the seedlings of a lie coming into my heart. I have struggled with a teacher this year. I've struggled with a coach this year. I've struggled with a a, a parental figure or a grandparent or a boss. I have struggled with a church figure. Pastor Shetler, tonight, I don't want to believe the lie any longer that authority is against me. I want to resubmit my heart to the under authority. And I want and I understand authority is my protection. And as long as I stay under the element of authority, God's going to bless me. Brother Shetler, tonight, there is repentance in my heart. I have gotten away and I have believed a lie. And by God's grace and for God's glory, I want to get back under authority where I need to be. Would you pray for me? Praise the Lord for that tenderness. Hey, I got to tell you, young person, that's hard to believe. You know what? I was believing a lie. I thought authority was against me. That's great, young person. God spoke to your heart. That's great. I wonder tonight, is there been somebody in here that authority has done you wrong? And they really have. They really have done you wrong. And because of that, you have lost faith in authority. And you would say tonight, Pastor Shetler, I've got to get something taken care of, but I know I've got to believe in authority again. I've got to trust them that have the rule over me. And it's been hard, Pastor Shetler. 
But I understand that tonight I need to get back under the umbrella of authority in my life if I'm ever going to be blessed. And you know what? There's nobody in this room that would think I was a rebellious person. But Pastor Shetler, in my heart, I have been against authority in my life. And tonight, I want to get back right with the Lord. I don't want banana all over my face. I want to get where I need to be. Would you pray for me? Would you lift up your hand? Amen. Amen. Young person, get it taken care of tonight. I'm going to give the invitation over to Brother Schmidt. But young person, I thank you for your tenderness. It's late tonight. You've all listened extremely well. But I will tell you this. There are only three major principles that have totally changed my life. And one of them I preach tonight. The principle of under authority is where the blessing is. Revival will come in your heart when you begin to submit under authority in your life. Young person, authority is not your enemy. Authority is your protection. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.